0: Does the story work?
1: That's the question, isn't it?
0: Welcome to the StoryGrid showrunner podcast. We're going to be answering this question using the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne. Every season, we'll be analyzing a hit TV series to figure out what works, what doesn't work, and why. And hey, we've returned to our monthly format again. So each month, we're going to be releasing two podcast episodes. First, we'll discuss the expectations of the show from seeing the trailer and reading the series descriptions. In our show, we looked at the trailer of the Netflix show, Ozark. In this episode, we'll be going through the editor's six core questions to find out if the story worked.
1: And by the way, you might want to watch the show, Ozark, before the episode, this episode we're about to do. uh, It's on Netflix. Uh, Or if you just rather get a summary of what happens in the show and why it works, then stay tuned uh, right now and we'll tell you all about it. But for now, let's get on with the show. So, Perul, what's the lowdown? Did you like um, it?
0: Hell yeah. Got some high <laughs> stakes, constantly moving. This story really worked as a thriller for me.
1: I agree, it was pretty darn good. Uh, I was rem- reminiscent of uh, Breaking Bad, which I really enjoyed. Some really nice surprises. Overall, I think it really worked as a thriller too. I think this is, uh, was, a, was a home run.
0: oh hey so do you i haven't watched um breaking bad in full would you say this is stronger it's not stronger
1: than the first season but because the first season breaking bad was phenomenal but but it could it, it may get there maybe the second season okay i don't know okay
0: good to know i might finish watching that but anyway back to this to today's show which is about the editor's six core questions so in case it's a new concept to you Part of the methodology at the Story Grid universe. It is a great way to analyze any story and figure out what it works. And here are the questions. We're going to be touching on them in this podcast, but the full notes can be downloaded afterwards. So, the six questions that we will be addressing what's the genre? What are the conventions and obligatory scenes for that genre? What's the point of view? What are the objects of desire? What's the controlling idea? And what is the beginning hook, the middle build, and the end payoff?
1: So we're we're actually going to start with the beginning hook, middle build name payoff, and uh, for a number of those, we're, we're just going to rely on our notes. But we're going to kind of tune we're going to tune in and and focus on some of the things that are hard to find for a lot of authors and and viewers. And we don't agree. Go ahead. We'll talk I was just going
0: to say, was it, I, I've, I've had a, co- a number of conversations with aspiring writers, or even writers, who are early on in their book, and I ask them what their beginning, hook, middle, build, and end payoff is, and they, they find it very hard to articulate. And often they're a bit confused about how to actually divide it into thirds. And I find the exercise of actually going through that with your own novel and and listing it out is, is great and then with that view of comparing it to masterworks this is where this sort of stuff is really helpful so if you're writing a thriller for example you can look at the beginning hook of something like this of ozark and just see how it's played how how strong is the crisis point how strong are the complications it can be a good point of comparison
1: no i agree and and i I think the most important part and this is something sean Coyne harps on a lot is that the beginning hook, middle build, ending payoff, the five core scenes, the five commandments of each of those acts turns on the global uh, life value, which for a thriller is life and death. And if you can break down, figure out what those five scenes are for each act and make sure that it turns on life and death, you, you got a pretty good chance of having a really good story on your hands.
0: Yeah, awesome.
1: So I think I want to start out, I'm not going to start with the five commandments to let you do that, but I wanted to start out with just something else that readers might might help readers a little bit, which is what are you trying to accomplish in the beginning hook? And you're really trying to establish who your protagonist and or protagonist is or are. And by doing that, you want to present them, you know, in their home, in their business and whatever they do for their free time and their play, you, you know, a couple scenes which shows what their normal life is before it gets knocked out of whack and the story really begins, especially in a thriller, because you have a originally normal life and then something happens and then their life goes off into a tailspin. So in this case, for the first episode, at least you have, you know, Marty's an accountant, pretty dull job for most people. He's not in a happy marriage. He actually finds out that his wife's having an affair. He's always watching porn. They always they don't. they're not very happy with each other. They have a normal, relatively normal teenage daughter, who's kind of a dork and has, you know, her own issues. And then they have a little son who seems pretty normal in the beginning there. So this is the normal family life. This is they go to work, they do accounting. In fact, Marty's just a accounting nerd. And that's just that's a good way to start a book. I mean, you want to start with some thrilling stuff as well, because it is a thriller. But in between that, you show a normal life. And and then you show how that life gets turned upside down.
0: Yeah, love it. And so, yeah, this is interesting. So Randall and I both watched the entire season and then we tried to divide up the five commandments for the acts. And what we found was we had to have a bit of a discussion before we actually came on the show to work out. Hold on. Why are we not completely on this? And that this lesson it, like, is something has been interesting to us because we're both editors. We analyze story all the time. So why are we disagreeing? Well, Here's the thing, I think that first of all, the writer might even disagree with us because they will come to it from their own perspective, just like every single reader might have a slightly different perspective. What's interesting though, is that we're, as long as we're in the sort of broadly larger same area, then we're fine. Uh, and as long as the story still moves, so whether or not we can argue about whether something sits in the complication of the crisis, of climax, as long as it moves, story's working. So should I go ahead and do the Five Commandments for the beginning hook? Yeah, go ahead. So for the beginning hook, the inciting incident is that Marty's partner has been skimming money from a Mexican drug cartel and Marty's partner is killed right in front of him and Marty is actually about to be killed. (laughs) The turning point complication is that he has to go take um, his family and run, flee to the Ozarks in order to wash eight million dollars worth of money to keep his life, to save his family's life. The crisis uh, comes when the FBI come knocking on his door because they're telling him they're really interested in all that's been going down. And the crisis for Marty is: does he, does he go with the FBI? The FBI says to him, "You know, aren't you tired of all this running? Why, basically, why don't you give up? Come, come to us and protect you." And Marty and Wendy unequivocally deny that they have they understand anything that he's talking about and maintain their innocence and so the climax is that they continue to try and find opportunities for their money laundering and they're staying they're staying yeah what else happens in the, the end of the beginning the beginning hope? i mean
1: i mean actually i mean we we've we've we went back and forth that was good that was good proof. but basically the the important part is they all turn on life and death and and you could do it a couple different ways a resolution could be they continue to try to clean the money and Marty realizes it's super hard to do. And he try he decides to kill himself. I mean, that could be the resolution right there. If you wanted to, if you wanted to put it there. And then, then in the inciting incident of the middle build, if we if we're going to roll into that, then you have, they lose all their the money because they get stolen by the Langmores. And that's, that's a life or death incident right there, because if they lose the money, the cartel is going to kill them. So, it, it, you know there's a there, there's a million ways to break up this specific series because there's so many great scenes that actually turn on life and death which isn't the isn't isn't necessarily the way every every thriller works a lot of thrillers will have you know a couple you know hopefully five commandments worth of 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 really life or death scenes and the rest of them are going to turn on other things but this one has a lot a lot just so many Progressive complications that turn on life and death—it's it's really nuts. Almost, what,
0: yeah. Almost every single step they make is being watched, and the timeline is so tight that death, like you say, death is on—is everywhere. Yeah. One wrong move uh, will put them in trouble.
1: So I'm going to go on with the middle build. So, like I mentioned, the five, the inside the incident could be that you know the Lang, the Lang, Ruth steals the money from Marty, and he knows he's in you know deep. Do do, and he's got. If he doesn't get the money back, his family's going to die. He's going to die. The you know then there's so many progressive complications over the next four or five episodes. What between you know him finding business opportunities and losing business opportunities and getting involved with the Snells and and all these things, and then finally the Snells uh, are threatening to kill the preacher's baby and maybe his wife, and so he he decides he has to make a choice. Is he going to you know, bribe the Snells because the preacher uh, is not kind of not kind of cooperating, or is he going to save his own life? That's pretty much the, the crisis question he has. He ends up bribing the Snells, and uh, and then so he saves himself, but he's now short on money, and he's got a, He ends up running a scam on Sam, who's the uh, his what Wendy's boss to get uh, his mother's money. So, but all that all this money stuff is huge because it's all cartel money anything that doesn't get cleaned, anything that's lost, it means death to his family. It's it, in one sense, it's kind of repetitive as, as far as this is the reason that it's life or death. On the other hand, the stakes go up and up because he gets closer and closer to actually cleaning the money and then he loses the last 700 and then he gets it back. And then Sam wants it back after his mother dies. So he's, there's this back and forth piece. Yeah, it is, end- it
0: is interesting, isn't it? You're right, it is very repetitive, but somehow they keep our interest. Because because of the family, I suppose we don't yes. want them to
1: to come to any harm. That and there's also like a lot of like secondary characters that are trying to kill. I mean, I mean Marty's not just in danger from the cartel. There's the other Langmore people. There's the FBI. There's the there's this you know Ruth's father, whoever that is. We didn't even figure that out. That's a big mystery for next season. There's the the Schnells. You know, there's no one's really. Likes Marty in this town. (laughs) So there's all kinds of people trying to kill him for different reasons. So, are we going to take us through the the end payoff, Perl?
0: Yeah. So, the inciting incident for the end payoff is that Marty decides it's not safe for his family to stay and he sends them away. Unfortunately, Garcia, who is one of Dell's sort of right hand men, tries to stop them. And Buddy, who Wendy and the kids live with, the sort of guy who's a little bit ill, who lives in the house, he intervenes and he kills Garcia. Now, that leads us to a big problem because Del is now very worried that Garcia hasn't been returning his call and he shows up and he starts to torture Marty. So Marty's crisis point, crisis set of questions is, will he confess to Garcia's murder while his toenails are being picked off? And that's just the start. Or can he somehow use his smarts and persuade Dell that distract him, persuade him not to. So the climax is he doesn't confess. In fact, uh, he explains a way that Dell can continue to grow his business by working with Snell, Snell's. Uh, and the resolution is probably one of my favourite uh, scenes is that Marty persuades Dell and Snell to work together, but Darlene gets very very cross with Del when he calls her a redneck and she kills him. And then we have the sort of lovely bit at the end where Wendy and the children decide to stay back rather than go off and be safe without their father because ultimately they care for him.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, I, this is, I mean, like Larry said, this is a great thriller and I, I, I can't wait to see the, the rest of the seasons. Yep. So let's move on to the genre. Yes. So the genre. Hey, obviously to me it's a thriller. The life or death stakes are all over the place. But what else is there, Pearl?
0: Yeah, so we've got yeah, exactly. So and when we looked at the trailer, uh, thriller stood out as as being a lot more as being the dominant genre. But there are some other genres in here. So we we definitely have love as a genre as a secondary genre it's laced in there, so if you think about the love subgenre of marriage and intimacy, so that's about a committed relationship being at a crossroads where something provokes issues between the couple and challenges the couple uh, to recognize and accept each other as they really are, because this is way past the initial sort of courtship phase. And actually we have this with, with Marty and Wendy, they're, they're at crossroads. Marty's been so wrapped up in his money laundering scheme, something we find out in the middle build, that Wendy ended up turning to someone else for comfort. And this all comes out uh, in the beginning hook when Marty has to take his family to the Ozarks because of what's happened. And Wendy wants to leave him, but her lover is killed and she's forced to stay with him. And at one point, Marty turns down and says, we're not husband and wife, we're business partners. But actually, as the season progresses, what we see is they start to make up, they have sex, and actually, more importantly, they have intimacy. And in the last episode, in fact, one of the final scenes, we see that look between them, the way that Wendy looks at him at the end, like, of course, I'm going to come back to you. I'm not going to abandon you, um, even though it's very, very unsafe to stay. So they, they are reunited, and they're sort of, they've remembered each other there's this love between them. The last genre quickly is morality. It's interesting because at first I thought, ah, this must be, there must be a strong internal moral morality genre, but actually what's interesting is he never really compromises on his morality. He has a very, what's the word, (laughs) slightly offbeat moral code, which is that it's okay to work for drug dealers. It's okay to have people die as long as my family is safe so he is to some degree an anti-hero he is an anti-hero he's chosen to take this path to help elevate his family's security and status i do think he brings people down around him think about the preacher who who later calls him the devil think about his children who start playing with guns and start questioning whether drugs should be um, banned so the moral code is slightly offbeat in this series
1: yeah where's mel when you talk when you need her talking about morality (laughs) yeah exactly oh by the way mel's sick so we didn't talk about mel at all but hope mel gets better yeah absolutely Uh, yeah i like also the love story i think it was the, the key moment was when wendy and the kids were about to leave with that pi that he hired and so she's like, who are you? He's like, oh, I did some work for him. And, you know, and then she realizes that that was the PI he hired to, to get all the information about her affair. And he's like, he? so he settled this up before or after you, you, you spied on me. And, and then he finds out that, you know, he did it. He did it after. So he'd, he'd already forgiven her. She, she, she understands that Marty had already forgiven her for what she did. He still loved her.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, I love that scene. All right, so uh, go through a couple of obligatory scenes for the, you know, the, the primary genre, the thriller. Saudi incident of the villain, you know, we got Dell killing everybody except for Marty in the, in the garage there. Speech and phrase of the villain, we got the FBI talking about how bad these guys are and they need to get off the street. And we also got Marty talking to his wife because his wife, you know, at, in the beginning, isn't on board with this, but he's like, hey, they kill everybody, everyone. We're all dead if we don't, if we don't yeah. do it this way. Hero becomes the, uh, the victim. I mean, I think Marty and his family are the victim from, you know, the first episode, so that's pretty obvious. Hero at the mercy of the, vi- the villain, well, yeah. I mean, we got Garcia kind of hovering over there, and they're only spared by Buddy. And then, and then of course, Marty's tortured. And so we see that hero at the at the of the Villain very clearly, unlike Killing Eve season three, which we were always waiting for. And then then we have that false ending, too, which was yep. for me, for me was surprising. That was at the end when they, they, they you know, it could have gone it could have gone a different way if this was a different series. You know, hey, he made a deal between the two drug lords and they're going to move on to the next season. But just as they're walking away the rednecks kill Dell, and and then now we got to figure out what's going to happen next so it was a pretty good uh, surprise cliffhanger as well
0: yeah although it's very much in keeping with the series i mean given how many surprises there are they sort of had to give us something at the end
1: that's why it was inevitable and surprising yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you- okay
0: yeah so then we have morality the internal genre the only thing i want to point out is the showdown so the, the core event the showdown that thing that you expect see in any story. Uh, I have yet to see an example where it doesn't display all the genres that exist in the story. So we have, we have for morality, the showdown that you'd expect is the protagonist actively sacrifices self in service of an individual. And we have Marty Bird calmly negotiating with the biggest drug dealer and a money launderer to create a situation so that his family can live. He has told his family to create a life without him. That to me is morality. Uh, and then another, another thing that happens in the resolution of morality, or li- quite quite closely linked to showdown, uh, is the protagonist faces literal or metaphorical death and either loses the battle but gains self-respect meaning in peace, or wins the battle but loses those things in, in, a, in a sacrifice. So. We're talking about a paradoxal ending, and we do have this because he wins the battle. Sort of, right? Dell Della's murdered, and now he's dealing with the fickle and racist Snells, but he has his family back. And, they and the rest of the
1: cartel, too. And the rest of the cartel, yeah. And, the, and, the, and I don't know how much Rachel stole, but he doesn't have $50 million in the wall of that place anymore.
0: yeah. Yeah, I wonder whether the cartel is going to have forgotten about that. Probably not, because it's 50 million.
1: Well, Jean's still all 50 million, but she took a big chunk. She probably took 500,000 or something, threw it in her car. So, Do, do we
0: know that for sure? Do we, do we see how much she's taken away?
1: No, I, we don't know how much she took. Okay. She <laughs> might even be a couple million. <laughs> to be continued. So I'm going to quickly go over conventions, but uh, of the global genre, which is the thriller. So they've got the MacGuffin. The cartel wants its money washed period that's it red herrings I mean just there's all kinds of multiple possible solutions that Marty's trying to solve this problem with cleaning money you know how do you clean money you buy a business you you know buy expensive stuff and kind of cover it in the receipts and stuff he does that with the strip club he does it with the church he does it with the restaurant he's got that inheritance investment and every time he's got something like almost done something turns around and it doesn't work out so they had all these kind of, I guess they would call red herrings, and you also got all these potential people that want to kill him that are, you know, that fail too. I guess that could be called kind of teasers or red herrings. You know, um, making it personal. Cartel sees it, the disappearance of its men and its money very personal. And then you have the clock. they they want it, They want the money clean now. You know, he's yeah. got. A, they, they're always calling him. Hey, how you doing? Where's our money? And they got Garcia watching them and all this stuff. So you got, you got this one did a really good job it's like they read the story grid they got all the <laughs> the uh, conventions and the obligatory scenes they did a really good job
0: yeah they've really upped the stakes i'm i'm still sort of re, i don't know if the words reeling but i'm still in shock by just how stacked it is full of adventure stakes being high life and death and i really really want to watch season two now
1: well you may get your wish so we're gonna so the rest of the the six questions we'll put those into the full scap that Perul's awesome at making and we'll have that done with the notes i guess one of the questions that since we did the the trailer last week did the series match the trailer hell yeah yeah i think it did a really good job actually i was yeah i would i was not not disappointed
0: I, in fact, I think I think my expectations were exceeded because I was actually genuinely really sad when I realized that i would started watching season two. Like I started going into season two, and I was what? like, "Oh no, got to, no just like a minute," and then I was <laughs> like, "Oh no, I've got to stop and write up my notes now." Um, cool. So, what were our favorite scenes?
1: Brandon? Well, I, I, I. You said you weren't surprised, but I was surprised when the when Dell got shot in the back of the head when he called them rednecks. I mean, when he said. Call him rednecks, and she's like, "What did you say?" I thought that's my what happened, but it, not until the moment, not until she said that. And then when it actually happened, like mm. by like a second later, or when he said, "I called you rednecks," and then and then it happened. It still surprised me, even though I knew, thought oh, maybe yeah. it would happen. What about you?
0: I, I think I'm always anticipating these villains to tell each other. So that, <laughs> that wasn't surprising for me, but it was it was a good. I think it was an interesting move. I love Marty Bird when he's in his crisis modes where he's this unassuming, definitely looks like a financial advisor, at least what I think a financial advisor might look like. And he's sitting there calmly and rationally explaining Uh, I don't know, whatever he was explaining, the map. The casino can
1: go here, we can watch the money there, and you can do that. Well, people are
0: basically threatening. You can see the threat. There's a threat in the air. There's a visceral threat in the air. And he's just going about as though he's explaining pension plans to someone. (laughs) So him sitting there with a map, looking really calm, is probably one of my favorite scenes.
1: So we gotta we gotta decide our next series and the Umbrella Academy at the end of July comes out part two. I don't know if we're interested in that because we didn't <laughs> wasn't a really right. good wasn't a home run the first time.
0: So the reason a oh, good reason for us choosing Ozark's again, well, Ozark sorry not Ozarks. Um, a good reason for choosing Ozark season two is it would be really interesting to see how they continue the story. Just like with Killing Eve, we have now got three sets of false caps for each of the seasons and it's interesting to see for example if you're writing a novel and you're writing three books how might you continue the story i want to know how they managed to keep this pace in season two
1: because a lot of people are saying great things about season two three i mean my best friend is the one that told me that fourth number four just came out and he couldn't wait to see it so it's still really high on everyone's radar should we do it then let's do it ozark 2 we have yeah. to. With two, we get two two versus uh, Mel, so we outnumber her. <laughs> Should agree. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. Done. So I may have to catch up with the other one. All right. So that wraps up our podcast for today. We hope you have a better understanding of the five commandments of storytelling and the editor's six core questions. Please, if you like the show, leave us a rating and review, and tell your writer and editor friends about us. And if you need more information, videos, or articles on the StoryGrid, you can go to StoryGrid.com. And if you want to see our notes and our full scalp, it's also on storygrid.com, but it's also on our own website, which is sgshowrunners.com. And if you want to connect with Mel or Perul or I, the links are on our webpages. You can connect with us there. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in two weeks when we discuss the trailer for Ozark 2.